The Ducks put up zero, zero wins on this road trip. Not even one. Not even one victory. The Ducks went over on this road trip and looked embarrassing on top of that. Let's just hit the music. Your Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm pissed. I'm ticked off because the Ducks didn't even get one, not even one victory on this road trip. Can you believe that? Hi, everyone. Jason Hernandez here from Locked On Anaheim Ducks. I've been covering hockey for over a decade. A reminder, this podcast is free and available across all platforms, yada, yada, yada. You know, I'm just going to get right into it. The Ducks end this five-game road trip without a win. They barely even managed one point. And frankly, I mean, that was a well-earned point, and it was a hard-working point, but that was it. That was really it. A road trip that I was hopeful that the Ducks would at least get one, maybe two victories because I was realistic. I knew this would be a tough one. You had the Rangers there. The Islanders look better. You had the Bruins. The Devils, they could have beat. Detroit, they could have beat. Actually, they could have beat Boston. They could have beat the Devils and didn't. And not only did they lose to the Red Wings, they got smoked. They got embarrassed by Detroit. But before I get into that, I just want to bring up something that you know, means a lot to me. You may have seen that there was some horrible comments made by a different host on the Locked On Podcast Network, and I won't even give him the benefit of mentioning his name, but he runs a podcast on this network and pretty much said that fan podcasts don't matter or that anyone without a credential doesn't matter. I'm just going to say that the views and expressions from me are more in line with the views and expressions of the Locked On Podcast Network. And the views and expressions of one idiot on this network do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On Podcast Network cares. All right. That's all I'm going to say about that. I'm I'm still pissed. The Ducks really should have won that game against New Jersey. They should have. They could have won the game against Boston. They really could have. Detroit, they at least gave Detroit a fight last season. And the Ducks at least looked competent against Detroit last season. Are are we going back to tanking? I mean, what's going on here? There's a plethora of things going on as to why the Ducks are off to this horrible, horrible start in the season. They are oh, sorry, 1-4-1. They've managed three points in six games, good enough for almost last place in the league right now. There's an old saying in sports that you certainly cannot win a championship or you can't even cement a playoff spot in the first month of the season, but you could definitely lose a playoff spot in the first month of the season. In hockey especially, it is much easier to lose ground and to lose a playoff spot than it is to claw back up into a playoff position, mainly because of the way points work in hockey. Because you will always have teams that will go into overtime. And especially in the Western Conference, you'll have a lot of teams wind up in overtime or in shootouts. 
and at least both teams will get one point. Fair, right? So if the Ducks keep falling further and further back from a playoff spot, then you can just kiss that goodbye in November. So that's my just quick thought on why the Ducks should at least try to be a little bit competitive, especially in a year where they want to move one step forward. And I felt like last season was moving one step forward. The Ducks have moved two steps back. So let's talk about just the last couple of games very quickly. That game against Boston, wow, that that could have gone the Ducks' way if they had a little bit better luck in overtime. If they would just shoot the puck and not allow Boston to shoot that many. Oh, but guess what? There was one good thing, one really good thing about that. Bo- well, two good things. One, they got a point. Two, for the first time all season, you ready for this? The Ducks actually outshot their opponents in a period. Hallelujah. After 14 consecutive periods where they did not outshoot their opponent, where they were either outshot or tied for shots in the period, they finally outshot someone, but the Boston Bruins, in a period. 14 in a row. Yeesh. That was bad. Oh, but it should come as no surprise that the Ducks were right back to their old tricks against Detroit. Yeah, I guess, yeah, so the two good things. They got rid of that streak, and they got a point. And then against Detroit, they were back to their old habits because they got outshot or tied for shots in all three periods against the Red Wings. Meaning, in the first 18 periods of this Ducks season, the Ducks have managed to outshoot their opponent one time. One time! That's it! That's the only period that the Ducks outshot their opponent was the third period at Boston. Sorry, not Boston Garden. (laughs) I'm thinking old school. TD Garden in Boston. The third period. That's the only time the Ducks have done that. The game against Detroit. What else is there to tweet about? I mean, it was bad across all fronts. The Ducks allowed two more power play goals. Because of course they allowed two more power play goals. Of course the Ducks would allow the Red Wings five opportunities because they took some bad penalties. Of course they would do that. Detroit scored not one, not two, but three power play goals. And how much of a kick in the you-know-what was it to see former Duck David Perron score against the Ducks on the power play? It's the same old story once again. Lather, rinse, repeat. Yippee! Three power play goals. Ah, Dylan Larkin, that was expected. Dominic Kubelik, well, you know what? Kubelik's had a good start to the season. And this isn't to diminish what Detroit did. Detroit is off to one of their best starts in team history in a couple of decades. They have gotten a point in their first five games. So that is actually kind of impressive that Detroit has taken another step forward. This was supposed to be the same thing for the Ducks. Is Detroit expected to make the playoffs? Maybe slash not necessarily because the East is strong. Were the Ducks expected to make the playoffs? Not necessarily, but at least they were expected to take a step forward. They've taken six steps back so far this season. And that loss against the Red Wings was just a bad one. The only good, the only good in that Detroit game was the top line once again. The Zegris-Henrik-Terry line. And wouldn't you know it, 
those three were the only guys that got points on that game. Trevor Zegras with a nice little tip goal, a nice little deflection tip, whatever you want to call it, from Troy Terry and Uncle Rico. That was it. Trevor Zegras now has three goals in the season. Tied with the team lead is Troy Terry with three goals. That's it. How do you come back from this if you're the Ducks? I mean, I have a couple of ideas, and I'll talk about that towards the end. But just to put a ribbon on that particular game, it was embarrassing towards the end because you could see it go 4-1 to one towards the end, and the Ducks had almost no energy. Like, they didn't show me any fight during that third period. None. They allowed 18 shots on goal from Detroit. 18 in a period. That means in that last game, they were outshot 41 to 33. Once again, for the 110th billionth time this season, the Ducks have allowed 40 plus shots on goal. Again, this is a bad, bad trend, and it cannot continue. So, yeah, Detroit, put throw that one away. Just throw it away. Put it in the back burner and let's forget about it and move on to the next game. All right, I just realized that I am way over on time. So we're going to head to the first intermission right now. But first, let's talk about Simply Safe. Now, the numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right, unlike the ducks. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I, I mean, Simply Safe has better defense than, than the Ducks right now. <laughs> With 24/7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents call the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Our monitoring experts use proprietary advanced response technology to visually confirm when a break-in is real, so you can get the highest priority police dispatch. So customize the perfect defense system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with JD Hernandez, and once again, this episode is brought to you by Simply Safe, which has a better defense than the Anaheim Ducks right now. <sighs> yeah, let's talk about team stuff right now. Let's first talk about the team stuff before we get into individual stuff. So, team defense for the Ducks has just been abysmal. That's the best word that I can come up with it. Abysmal. Would you believe, I mean, this is no surprise, that the Ducks have allowed the highest shots. They've allowed the highest amount of shots per game so far this season. They have allowed a whopping 41.2 shots on average so far this season. That is by far the worst. 
and they still have the worst shot differential, a minus 15.2. Yeah, the Ducks are only shooting it 26 times, but a shot differential of minus 15 per game is certainly not going to cut it. It's really not. Let's talk about goals given up on average. The Ducks are amongst the worst teams for giving up goals on average. They're third worst. The only two teams that give up more goals per game are the Minnesota Wild and the Phoenix Coyotes. That's it. Those are the only teams. Yeesh. That is bad. But let's get into the real meat and potatoes, okay? Only one team has a lot more goals. That's the LA Kings. Although the LA Kings at least score a lot of goals themselves. I mean, the goals are... are sorry, not the goals, the Kings. <laughs> the Kings allow the most goals. But the Kings also are amongst the highest teams as far as goals scored. So maybe chalk that one up as a plus for the LA Kings and a big minus for the Anaheim Ducks. Big minus. But I think the biggest minus for this team... Well, there's a lot of minuses. Let's talk about special teams for a second. Special teams have not been good. And boy, are the Ducks missing Coach Ward right now. Because Ward was kind of a genius when it came to special teams. And we're seeing the results right now. I know it's only six games and it is still a small sample size. 20 games would be just an entirety. A small sample size to me is three or four games. Six games, we can begin to call it a trend. So let's call it a trend for now. The PK right now is trending at amongst the worst right now. It's trending bad. Only three teams have a worse penalty kill than the Ducks. The Seattle Kraken, the Colorado Avs, and the Vancouver Canucks. Colorado's down there, you say? Well, Colorado has the second worst PK, but they also have the best power play by an extremely wide margin. Colorado's PK is only 60.9%, but their power play is 52.9%. Can you believe a team, even even though it's only six games, I can't believe that any team has a power play over 50%. But that's Colorado, and it's not even close. The next highest team has 35%. So when you have that big of a gap in power play percentage, you're at least doing something right, and Colorado is scoring at will on the power play again. But the Ducks power play, well, it should surprise no one that the Ducks have amongst the lowest power play in the league. Now, stop me if this sounds familiar. The Ducks are in the bottom 10 in power play. They don't get a whole lot of chances. This is sounding familiar. Oh, right. Remember when the Ducks went about a dozen games a couple years ago when they had zero power play goals? Remember when they had a historically bad power play percentage? In fact, I could tell you that it was below 10%. By season's end, there's only a few teams with a worse power play than the Ducks. The Sharks, the Panthers, the Preds, the Habs, and the Blue Jackets. Oh, and by the way, the Blue Jackets are the only team right now to go over on the power play so far this season. They will be the last team to score a power play goal this season. Remember when the Ducks had that distinction of being 
the last team, or I think the second to last team, to score a power play goal in the season. No, it was the last team. It was the last team to score a power play. And the Ducks are right back to where they were two seasons ago. So what's going on with the special teams? One, I don't think they're utilizing the right players on certain special teams. I mentioned this on a previous podcast that you got to move Derek Grant maybe to that second power, oh, sorry, second PK unit and move Isaac Lundestrom up. They did that for almost an entire game, mainly because Derek Grant put himself in the penalty box. And I liked what one fellow listener said, saying that the Ducks penalty kill improved by Derek Grant being in the box. I mean, that was a little bit mean, but it's also very true. The penalty kill did improve with Derek Grant in the penalty box. That was the game where the Ducks allowed zero power play goals. Hooray. Hallelujah. And Dallas Eakins did notice it for a little bit, but then went right back to that old PK on Sunday's game. Went back to their... I mean... Why go back to that old way if it wasn't working before? Why go back? You got to have players with active sticks. Isaac Lundestrom has a fairly active stick. Put him down there. Kulikov has a pretty decent active stick. Put him up there as well. The Ducks penalty kill has not been utilized the best so far this season. And I think Dallas Eakins really has to change things up, especially in their upcoming game against a very, very tough Tampa Bay team. Tampa Bay, by the way, being very good on the power play once again. So far this season, Tampa Bay has a 28% power play. Top 10 in the league again in the power play. If the Ducks allow even three or four power plays for the Lightning, I guarantee you the Ducks are going to get torched in at least one of those, most likely two of those. So, Ducks fans, buckle up. It could be a long night against the three-time defending Eastern Conference champion. When I say it in that sense, Tampa is still the champs of the East. They have to get knocked off. And they haven't been knocked off yet. They are 3-3 three and three so far this season. Not a great start, but this is Tampa Bay. They do this. They kind of start off, okay, a little bit of a lull from the previous season. And then around the holidays, they just move ahead like gangbusters. So I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa Bay looks and goes, oh, we've got to be better than this. We're going to take this middling team and just torch them for six goals. I'm kind of half expecting that. I'm half expecting Tampa Bay to just torch Anaheim. That that PK has got to be changed around big time. One other big trend. I've talked about the shots on goal. Four times the Ducks have allowed 40 plus shots on goal. And in all six games they've allowed 35 plus shots per game. They've been outshot in every game. The high danger chances. That's troubling for the Ducks. But hey, good news. The Ducks at least did have more high-danger chances against the Red Wings. Yay, it, it didn't matter because John Gibson looked pissed off at the end of that game. He looked very pissed. One other thing that I do want to mention. 
that's a bad thing for the team. And that's going to be the five-on-three power play. You know why I'm talking about this. There was a long five-on-three where the Ducks could have had at least more than a couple shots on goal. And they didn't. There was one sequence, I think it was a second unit, where the Ducks even had trouble getting it into their own offensive zone. On a five-on-three! On a five-on-three! Are you joking? A five-on-three? And you have trouble getting the puck into your own offensive zone? That is bad. You cannot do this if you're a professional hockey team. Especially on a five-on-three. Now, I'm not going to discredit the Detroit Red Wings. They're a good PK team. But it's still a two-man advantage. You've got to put up more of a fight if you have a two-man advantage if you're the Anaheim Ducks. So that's the big, big troubling trend is special teams. But hey, at least the Ducks look somewhat decent on five on five. I mean, it's not so bad, right? (laughs) Wrong. Wrong. Five on five is at least marginally better, but not by much. Thanks to Nat Statrick for this one. But the Anaheim Ducks have the fourth worst Corsi 4 percentage for the entire NHL. And this is on 5-on-5 play. Only three teams are worse. The Coyotes, the Flyers, and the Blues have a worse Corsi 4 percentage on even strength. Or on 5-on-5, rather. So the special teams are broken. The defense is broken. 5-on-5 is broken. Who's to blame? Which players have been amongst the worst for the Ducks? We'll get to the individuals on the other side. Welcome back to episode number 614 of Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with J.D. Hernandez, here to talk about the Ducks' horrible start and Horrible end to a road trip. I'm a little bit dis- in disbelief that the Ducks only managed one point on this road trip. I had high hopes for this road trip. I honestly thought that they can get at least four points. And I would have been happy if the Ducks got four points on this road trip. Just because of the quality of opponent. But to get one? One? It's disappointing. It's very... Very disappointing. Ah! Okay. Let's talk about the individuals now. The individuals that have been good, and there's been a few that have been good, and then the rest. So I want to talk about the good first, and that is the top line of Trevor Zegris, Troy Terry, and Adam Henrique. Those three have spent the most minutes together as a line, And they almost have an even Corsi percentage as far as lines that have been together for more than 20 minutes. So there's there's some main lines here. Max Jones, Derek Grant, Pavel, Regenda. They've been together for the majority of time. Then we also have Max Comtois, Isaac Lundestrom, Jakob Silferberg. They've been, you know, they've been a line. They've been okay. Then there is McTavish... Strom Vetrano. 
that line has been a little bit worse than we thought. And I'm not going to blame those guys individually. This is where I can say maybe it's time to move Mason McTavish around. Maybe put him back at center, his natural position, shake things up. The only line that has had any sort of decent consistency has been Rico Z. Terry. The Corsi is almost 50%, which is fine. They've outshot their opponents on that particular line. That line actually produces goals. I mean, I mentioned this. Terry has three. Zegris has three. Already six goals from that line in six games. That's pretty good considering how few goals the Ducks have scored this season. Relatively speaking, as far as just goals in general, the Ducks have scored, I mean, what, 6, 10, 12, 14 goals. The Ducks have scored 14 goals, and that particular line of Rico, Z, and Terry, they've accounted for a lot of those goals. I mean, even just the goal against the Red Wings... That was great puck movement, and I loved seeing the puck movement between those three gentlemen. Those guys have got to stick together no matter what. So they account for six of the 14 goals that the Ducks have scored this season. Henrique does not have a goal yet this season, but hey, at least he finally got on the board, got an assist. Hooray! Keep that line together no matter what. So that's the positive. Now let's get to the rest. The rest of the individuals. And there's a website called Hockey Stack Cards. It's one of my favorite websites out there. And this season, the best individual player for the Anaheim Ducks is by far Troy Terry, who has a game score average of 1.26. In fact, he was one of the heroes on opening night just across the entire league. Remember when Troy Terry had a game score of 3.08 against the Kraken? He also had a game score of 2.94 against the Rangers and had a game score of 2.08 against the Red Wings. His worst game so far this season was the game against, you ready for this? The New Jersey Devils. That was the only game this season where he's had a negative game score. But in general, Troy Terry has been amongst the league leaders as far as game score. That's despite the Ducks' troubles on offense. I've always liked Troy Terry. I like his game right now. His game has evolved over the past two and a half seasons. And it's beginning to show in the more aggressiveness to shoot. There have been a couple of moments this season where I would say, oh, Troy, why why didn't you shoot that? There has been a couple of moments where he's even gone back to old habits. And when I say old habits, I mean habits from the 2019-20 season. Troy, just stay aggressive. You got to shoot the puck. Got to do it. Be aggressive. You got to get back into those dirty areas. He began to do that a little bit last season. And there were moments where he did that this season. Don't be shy. Get into those areas. Trevor Zegras, he is starting to get a little more aggressive, but he's also still a great playmaker. But there's been a couple of times 
where Z has had one too many passes. Shoot the freaking puck. That being said, I still love Z. I still love Troy Terry. They've been the two best players on the Ducks this season. They have the highest game scores on average so far this season. Adam Henrique is fifth. The other two guys with the positive, Jakob Silverberg and Pavel Regenda. And that's it. Everyone else has had a minus. Mason McTavish, he's been pretty decent game score-wise this season. And he's getting his apples. He's got four assists already this season. Tied with the lead with Troy Terry. But let's even go to the bottom of the list. Now, by the way, would you believe that Kevin Shattenkirk has the highest game score average amongst defensemen? Well, no, because I'm lying about that. It's Simon Benoit, but he's played two games, so I don't really count that. But as far as players with all six games, it is Kevin Shattenkirk. The worst three guys. Jamie Drysdale, not too good. But then the two worst by far. John Klingberg and Dmitry Kulikov have the worst game scores by far this season. Brett Leeson, only two games, so I don't really count that. But Leeson has not had a memorable two games so far this season. The defense has been bad. And there's got to be some shakeups on defense. I mean, would it be completely out of bounds to put Jamie Drysdale on a line with, I don't know. I mean, I don't know who you could put him up with at this point. But it is not all Jamie's fault. JD is still only 20. And you're putting him with Fowler. We saw last season that the Fowler-Drysdale pairing wasn't exactly the best. And I like the Drysdale-Kulikov pairing, even if it hasn't yielded the best results. But let's get crazy. Why not put Drysdale with, I don't know, put him with Bolu? See what happens there. It is time to mix things up. Completely. And here's where I will give my shout out here. And I actually was thinking about this. But I honestly, I wasn't home, so I couldn't put together a list of lines. But fortunately, Felix Sicard did the job for me. <laughs> I mean, no, I like, I, I love Felix. Felix is one of the best guys on Twitter out there. Felix was one of the guys that was rooting for me when I was going through, you know, my stuff earlier this season. You know, Felix was one of the first people, just to give a quick shout out, to say, man, I hope you're doing okay, man. So, a shout out to Felix Accard on that one, just for taking the time out to wish me and my family well when my grandma passed away. So, Felix, you're a real one. Love you, buddy. So, he put up some shake-up lines. He still has Henrik Zegristeri. Yeah, don't break that line up. He has Regenda Strom Vetrano on that second line. Notice change there. Put McTavish back at center. Comtois, McTavish... Braden Tracy. And I agree with this. Now, I've already had a couple of people in my mention saying like, oh, really? Tracy hasn't looked all that great with the goals. Yeah, he looked he looked good on the game against the Ontario Reign on Saturday. And he at least looked decent on the game against Ontario on Friday. Were there a couple of shifts where he could have looked better on Friday's game? Yes. But as far as the forwards for the goals right now, I think Tracy has looked the best so far in their young season. And I think out of all the forwards, 
I think I would give Braden Tracy the chance just because of positioning and also because he has been mostly consistent in San Diego. Now, granted, the goals are 1-3 and three to begin the season, but I would want to give Tracy a chance. Give him nine games because he is still young enough that you can give him nine games and then possibly give him more the following season. But let's see how he does in the remaining 68 games in San Diego, assuming that he stays down there the whole season. But I don't see why you wouldn't bring him up. Jones, Lundestrom, Silverberg on that fourth line. Notice a name missing there. Derek Grant. Derek Grant has had maybe one good game so far this season, but he's had some stinkers of games, especially on the penalty kill. So, yeah, I agree with Felix. Shake things up. Take Derek Grant out of the lineup. You could put a bunch of other guys in there. Now, I did like that Felix said take a chance on Rocco Grimaldi, and Grimaldi is a fast, fast guy. I mean, just watching him against the rain over the weekend, he's fast, but he's still small. And I think we see the writing on the wall as to what Pat Verbeek prefers. He prefers to have bigger, taller guys in the lineup. And I think Tracy does sort of fit that bill, not Rocco Grimaldi, But yeah, give Tracy a shot. And I would love to see Rocco get a shot at some point this season. I don't know if I see it happening. I really don't. All right. I've been talking to your guys' ears off. We're over time. So I'm just going to wrap up this podcast by saying thank you for listening. This podcast is free and available across all platforms, including Stitcher, Spotify, Odyssey, etc., etc. You could follow me on Twitter at StimpyJD. The show's Twitter's at LO underscore Ducks. You could email me at LockedOnAnaheimDucks at gmail.com. Thanks for making this your first listen of the day. Make Locked On NHL your second listen of the day. We got Gil Martin today. So Gil Martin on Mondays on Locked On NHL. And I mentioned this at the start, but my thoughts, you know, I I welcome everybody on this podcast. And I mentioned this already. And I actually already got a text already. So if you're a fan and you want to come on the podcast, you know, feel free to let me know. I would love to try to get a bunch of fans on this podcast. Try to make it a regular thing. So if you want to come on, let me know. Once again, thank you so much for your continued support on this fan podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you. I really do. Because... We're all fans. Even the professionals that have their podcasts, they're all fans. They're all fans. So, yeah, just thank you for the support. So appreciated. You guys are all awesome. For Locked on Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great rest of the day. Please continue to be safe out there. Please be kind to one another and ducks fly together. (laughs) 